The Road to Potomania, presented by Opinions and Beer. Tag along in this annual event with Adam and Ed Ray 1416 into the world of pro wrestling. You're listening to Opinions and Beer. Stone Cold Steve Austin knows that the Opinions and Beer podcast exists in this world. And opinions, opinions and beer. Two guys and another guy will never happen again. Hello and welcome to the Road to Potomania. We're your host, Ed Ray1416. Hey everyone. And I'm Adam. Yeah, that's that's, that's about it. That's my that's my cue. Anyways, anyways, here Ed Ray, did you know the Road to Potomania only lasts from the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania? Which is a very short time, ladies and gentlemen. It's three months, right? That's it. Three months, basically. Three months of us chatting wrestling. What are the people supposed to do whenever our three months is up? Go to the bathroom and have a good time with a smut magazine? Wrong! And you know, we only do it once a week. We only do the podcast once a week. We talk about whatever wrestling we feel like talking about. There's other, you know, there's weekly wrestling news to chat about. We know we talk about the history, you know, random history there and there. Just getting us pumped for the road to Podomania. But there's another podcast out there that I want to go ahead and give a shout out to, give a plug. Off the Muda Scale. Off the Muda Scale is a podcast. It's a wrestling podcast that covers the week-to-week WWE and AEW news and wrestling. If you want to know about weekly wrestling while being entertained, this is the show to do it. Off the Muda Scale uh, will cover weekly WWE and AEW wrestling events and big pay-per-views while keeping you laughing. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and listen. New episodes every Sunday. Pay-per-views covered and uploaded the following Monday. So Sunday and then the Monday following pay-per-views off the Muda scale. Check them out. I've listened. They only have 10 episodes. They're a rather new podcast. But I want you guys to go and help them out, help them uh, with their start. Uh, give them a listen, and you know maybe they will be your new weekly Strictly wrestling podcast what are your thoughts ed ray let it be let it be (laughs) so there you go off the mood of scale let's get on with the beer of the day in today's beer of the day is shiner strawberry blonde this is a strawberry blonde ale brewed by the shiner brewing company in shiner texas whoo Beer brewed with strawberries and with natural flavors added. Strawberry Blonde is backed by popular demand for the summer. Summer? We're not even in the summer yet. This is full of shit. <laughs> uh, we, haven't had, we haven't had a Strawberry Blonde on the podcast yet. So uh, let me go ahead and give this a sip. Strawberry is, well, like a... The fruit's there. Has more of a uh, lager taste than an ale. I wonder if this is really an, a blonde ale or if it's a blonde lager. 4.3% alcohol by volume. Oh, but this, this is pretty good. This, this is one of those beers. It's like a kickback, relax, and pound eight. <laughs> pound eight of these back. This is a good. Shiner makes some uh, pretty good. Pretty good day drinking beers, beers that uh, you just you just yeah, you know what I mean. 
anyways, back to today's topic at hand. I want to jump into something uh, very similar to what we were talking about earlier. The off the off the mood scale. I want to talk about where that name came from. The Great Muda. Right? Muda? Yep. The Great Muda had a huge influence in wrestling. Um, big. Huge. Huge wrestling. How, how big was that influence, Ed Ray? Oh, he inspired a lot of stars in Japan. I mean, him and Jushin Thunder Liger were the most influential people of the 1980s going into the 1990s as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, and then there was Mitsuharu Masawa. He was also a huge star in the 1990s in Japan. But it all stems back to the great Muda and Jushin Liger. Jushin Liger? Yeah, Jushin Thunder Liger. And they were a um, they were really well together? Oh, yeah, they were some of the most popular stars in Japan during the 1980s and 1990s. Their style brought a whole new generation of wrestling audiences to America. Yeah, uh... At the time when the steroid scandal was going on in professional wrestling, you had Bret Hart, you had all these other people, including the 1-2-3 kid, trying to bring in fans for the World Wrestling Federation. Well, in the case of World Championship Wrestling and the NWA in general, you had Keiji Muto, who ended up becoming the Great Muda in WCW. That's where the gimmick originated. But then he brought the gimmick over to Japan and became so over that ended up inspiring new gimmicks in Japan. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was trying to watch some. Uh, uh, it's kind of hard to find his matches on the uh, on the network. Uh, they're there. It's just there. You can't just search them for some reason. They they're well. Hidden. Most of his uh, work is in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and of course, you'd have to uh, you'd have to find it on Daily Motion or other sites oh, out yeah. there just to see it. But one of the one of my favorite matches from uh, the Great Muda. Ironically, was with Hulk Hogan in 1993. Oh, really? Yeah, because Hogan actually... Muda brought the best out of Hogan in terms of technical wrestling. Yeah. Because Hogan was not meant to be a technical wrestler. He was just a big man with a strong gimmick and doing the I can't hear you to the crowd. <laughs> uh, if you if you watched any of his matches in Japan with the great Muda or Stan Hansen, you know he can wrestle. Knows he can wrestle. Uh, one of my favorite uh, feuds with him was probably him and Sting was really good. You don't you think him and Sting had a pretty uh, solid feud? I think it was the second best feud of 1989 behind Terry Funk and Ric Flair. Yeah, him and Sting had a solid feud. the The match I watched recently with him was uh, maybe you could recall this. Uh, WCW at some point did these weird. It was like a I guess a battle royal, uh, but. Uh, it was like a special battle royal. You know what I'm talking about? The Battle Bowl? Yeah, yeah, the Battle Bowl. The Battle Bowl was conceived in 1991, but it was much better at Starcade 92. And what's up with the Battle Bowl? It's just a it's just a regular um It's a battle royal for a trophy. Okay, kind of like Andre the Giant. Yeah, it, basically WCW pioneered the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. The only difference is Andre was alive when the, the Battle Bowl commenced. Yeah. So, uh, and he won. Uh, I seen. I seen. Um, uh, Muda Muda win uh, one of these battle bowls. Sting won the 1991 battle bowl at Starcade '91, but the Great Muda got '92. Like yeah. you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. 
<laughs> but he's inspired a lot of people. One of, one of the big things he inspired was the infamous, is it infamous, was the Green Mist. Yeah, the Green Mist was pioneered by the great Kabuki, but the great Muda popularized it here in America. And then, of course, you had Yoshihiro Tajiri of ECW. He ended up copy, copying the Great Muda with the Green Mist. Who? Yeah, Tajiri. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he, 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 well, he, well, he said he tried to he, that. Uh, great Muda was his favorite uh, wrestler, and he was emulating him. So yeah. Yeah. The only difference between Tajiri and uh, Muda was that Tajiri was very stiff with his kicks, while Muda was more entertaining. So I wanted us to look at. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna try to Google them and stuff. I'm YouTube them, but um, I wanted. I wanted us to look at some missed segments. Some you know wrestlers that misted, specifically ones that um, have tried to emulate the great Muda, and I want us to rank them best to worst, or worst to best, Green Mister. Okay. So we'll start off. Let's find us. Let's go to right here. Let's go to um, Tajiri, Tajiri Green Mist. So here's Tajiri doing a Green Mist. Uh, how long is that? I don't want like a ten-hour thing. I need like a clips now. I need a clip now. Oh my god, what is that crap? Uh, Kane versus Tajiri. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Oh, Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> they killed him. <laughs> Talk about overselling. Quite frankly, Coachman deserved it. <laughs> so that was Tajiri doing the green mist. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Oscar. Uh, oh, Oscar. Come on, damn it. Skip that ad. So, Quang, I'm trying to think if he does it in this one. Oh, look, he just did it. Oh, that was pretty sweet. That was pretty legit. Oh! That's what it took to break the choke slam. So, Quang, you know who that is? No. Uh, I'll give you a, a guess. I'll give you a hint. He was someone that wrestled Stone Cold. At Mania. Who do you think it is that does... Who do you think Quang is? Who did Quang end up being? See, Stone Cold was not at Mania 2000. I'll give you a second hint. First Mania. Savio Vega. Yeah. Savio Vega used to don a mask and green miss people uh, 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 in homage to um, the great uh, Muda. Yet he was never over. <laughs> I know, right? Sadly. <laughs> poor, poor him. Poor him. Uh, <laughs> killer. Killer. Con. Oh, God. I don't even know where to find Killer Con. There he is. Killer Con versus Macho Man. Ah, uh, they don't have clips, dude. Like, why don't they have clips? Anyways, Killer Con also does it. Uh, who do you think perfected it? Who was the best Green Mister? 
I had to say Tajiri. Out of all of them, you think Tajiri was? You think Tajiri perfected the Green Mist? Yeah, he was the closest to Great Muda in terms of style and the Green yeah. Mist. Tajiri's pretty good. What's uh, what do you think Tajiri's best match is? Tajiri's best match. Yeah, I mean, it's like, he never really had like. I mean, he he was always good. He's always a good worker. But has he ever had that classic match that you can like just name off the top of your head? That's the problem. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> he's just <laughs> that's the problem. He's a he's he's a great worker, and he's got great Muda styled pretty d- down pretty damn well, you know, with the kicks and all that. Didn't he? Um, you know what though? When he came back for that cruiserweight tournament. He was doing some solid matches there, I think. I think his best match was with Rey Mysterio. Oh. Uh, yeah, he failed. <laughs> when, he, when he accidentally drank his green mist, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> 205. Look, when he was on 205, doing the whole 205 cruiserweight challenge and stuff. Uh, to Jerry, man. I can't remember if he was a part of that big... Uh, if WrestleMania... Remember WrestleMania 20, there was a... Um, there was like a gauntlet match, the cruiserweight gauntlet. I can't remember that. Yeah, I think WrestleMania 20 had a cruiserweight gauntlet, and I think Tajiri was a uh, was a good moment in there. Also, Ultimo Dragon, Ultimo Dragon was a good um, uh, moment in that. Ultimo Dragon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you remember him? Oh yeah, he was great in WCW. Whatever happened to him? He was just relegated to a cruiserweight over there. Just like he was in WWE, but WWE didn't book him right. Yeah, poor, poor cruiserweights never, never get the uh, recognition they deserve. Well, the cruiserweights, incidentally, were the reasons why WCW would be number one on the ratings because WCW always provided a good opener for Monday Nitro while they were dominating from '96 to '98. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we have for Muda. Uh, let's move on to our second segment of today. Um, I'm feeling a little off today. Are you feeling off? Like what? Like just weird. Do you feel weird today? No. Okay, we'll just continue on then. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, <laughs> um, I just feel like I'm off my game today for some reason, Edry. Have you been doing drugs today? No, I haven't. I, I, I got off work. To, I work today. Maybe that's what it is. I, I, oh, so you're tired. kind of tired. I, I just got off work. and <sighs> I'm just trying to trying to get these episodes in. Uh, I hope I hope we don't do off the mood of scale a disservice with a poor episode. But uh, if we do, hey, don't worry. I will give y'all a shout out on the next episode to make up for it. I'll give you a free shout out on the next episode just to make up for uh, any poor quality that I may I that I am bringing to the table because I I am off my game. I can feel it. I'm off my game. Yeah, usually whenever he ain't working, he's always on his game and he brings his best day game out there. So try yeah. to go easy on him. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait for I can't wait. You know, um, branching off a bit. I can't wait for us to go into this. We're gonna we're gonna break down and talk about the main event matches of the final pay per view before WrestleMania. All of them, starting from 1996, because before that. They didn't have a pay-per-view before Mania. Uh, Yeah, they didn't didn't have In Your House until, I think, the summer of 1995. So, 1996, it's going to be the first. Yeah, it was In Your House. Uh, We're going to break down... You know what? 
let's go ahead and give a teaser for that then. We're, we're going to break down the first uh, the first main event before a WrestleMania. So, like, when I say that, I mean literally the month or, you know, that, the month before. The pay-per-view before WrestleMania that is, you know, directly before that month. Because before 1996, they only had big pay-per-views. It was always like Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. That was it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And quite frankly, WWE should have kept that because considering their current product right now, they don't need all these pay-per-views. I guess not. Uh, so let's break down. So the first, the first main event before WrestleMania was in 1996 in your house. That was in uh, February. And it was Bret Hart versus Diesel in a steel cage. Now, this is a classic. Still, you know, watching this match, I am upset that they, do, they don't have the blue steel cage anymore. That's a classic cage. Yeah, but the problem was that people that got rammed in the cage got hurt a lot because that steel cage was unforgiving compared to the steel mesh. <laughs> it looks unforgiving. It didn't look like it would hurt. I'll be like, yeah, it does. The only reason why that cage match was created was back in 1986, Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy had a cage match. And King Kong Bundy obviously wouldn't be able to climb the steel mesh if he wanted to get out of the cage. So what they did was create a cage that was much bigger for the people, for big people like King Kong Bundy to climb over the cage if he had to escape by climbing over the cage. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a short, you know, I think cages now are a little taller. Because, I mean, I mean, these people were standing, and they're kind of like standing almost above the cage already. Like, all it took was a few steps. and uh, But it kind of they had to force a lot of extra drama, though. I think it was cool they had to kind of force extra drama, like grabbing them and pulling them back up over the cage. I think and- the reason why cage matches are bigger is because some people that get on top of the cage want to do their insane spots. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, Take, for instance, Cody Rhodes, when he had that cage match with Wardlow on AEW Dynamite, he did a moonsault, a moonsault off the cage to pin Wardlow, but at the same time, Cody broke one of his toes. Jeez, see? That's why cage matches shouldn't be, cages shouldn't be so tall. <laughs> uh, I just miss that old look, man. It's just, it, look, it, looks so, it looks way better to me. The best cage match from that era, from the blue cage match, obviously was Owen Hart versus Bret Hart in SummerSlam 94. That was the only cage match, to my knowledge, prior to Hell in a Cell to get a five-star rating. So, in your opinion, is Diesel good? Well, he's good as a mid-carder, but he was not a good world heavyweight champion. That was why they had Diesel drop the title to Bret Hart at Survivor Series 95. Okay. Cause yeah, he kind of seems a little like he seems like cool. He like he's an attraction. He's seven foot tall or whatever. You know, he's a tall guy. He's a ba- and he's badass. He's you know he's he's pretty badass. But like I was not you know watching this match, I wasn't too impressed by Diesel's in ring work. Bret Hart obviously you know brought it to the table. Yeah, Bret Hart always gave Diesel the best match he could ever get out of him, and the cage match was no different because it told a story. And I love the finish to the cage match. You, you know what I like? Um, uh, Bret Hart's signature. Watching this match, it just I just it was just kind of like pointing things out to me. Uh, <laughs> I like when Bret Bret Hart's signature when he gets whipped into the um, 
into the uh, turnbuckle, and he runs like, he goes straight into it. That's a signature thing. You don't see anyone do that anymore, do you? No, no, because only Bret Hart could drive such force and make it entertaining. Yeah, that's how crazy he's like, oh, it's like, Jesus, like, it looks he so. Would, he would always save it for his big matches, including WrestleMania 13. It, it just looks so, like, like realistic. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like for some, I don't know why. It just looks so crazy. Yeah, I think the most brutal uh, sternum shot to the turnbuckle was when he faced The Undertaker at a event in uh, England, I think. And he went into... Was it Insurrection, maybe? I believe so. It was a 97 against The Undertaker. And the steel... The the turnbuckle was exposed. And he went sternum first into exposed steel. Oh, my God! You got to see that match to believe it. Oh, my God! Taker killed her... Brett! (laughs) <laughs> uh, so Bret Hart versus Diesel it was actually kind of long for me uh, especially cause like, like I said I felt like Diesel was a little eh and and they kind of they kind of overused the spot of them like oh they're going to climb the cage oh they might get over uh, I, I think the problem with the match in general was that it Diesel is not a very good worker as I said yeah but the only reason why I liked the, I liked that cage match was because of the finish. Yeah, that's what I'm bring up. So I think the whole the thing is the this match was just a build up. That's kind of like that, that, that which might be the flaw to it. Maybe the flaw and the why the pacing was so weird is because the whole match wasn't about the match. The whole match was a build up to the finish, where the Undertaker. Breaks through the ring and then drags Diesel under the ring and smoke comes out, letting Bret Hart escape and uh, and win, setting up setting up Diesel versus Undertaker for that year's WrestleMania. Now Diesel versus Undertaker WrestleMania twelve. That is the best match that Diesel ever had. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, who did Bret Hart face that year? Who did he go on to face? At WrestleMania 12? Yeah. Shawn Michaels. Uh, Iron Man match. Oh, yeah! I remember. Yeah! You know what it is, Ed Ray? Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels have had so many matches. I think that every match is the Montreal Screwjob match. I think I, I'm like, I'm like, so, so, I don't know why. Even though the Iron Man match was, was a little good. bit drawn out at WrestleMania 12, it still does not match up to Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude. Do you think we'll ever get another Iron Man match at WrestleMania? Probably not. <laughs> do you think? <laughs> do you think our attention? Do you think people's attention spans are too low for it, or what? Well, yeah. I mean, the t- attention spans were too low for a seven-hour WrestleMania before they finally had it split it into two parts. <laughs> I, guess so. I guess so. What's up with that? Are just matches? Do you, Do you think they're? Is there too many matches or are too many matches going too long? Too many matches going too long. Oh, okay. And you know why WWE does this? It's because they want all of their wrestlers to get a big payday. No, it's because people like you, the AEW marks, complain, Oh, why didn't they why did they only work a minute? Why did Daniel Bryan get knocked out in fifty seconds? Why did blah 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 No, the problem is they're putting too many talent on WrestleMania and their matches are too long because they're yeah, not complaining. They're they're not good workers to Because you know, AEW people complain and they say... They this say, was long before AEW. And all the people complain, they went to AEW. This That's what was, I'm saying. This has been seven years before the formation of AEW, so don't just blame it's, them. Blame the wrestling fans in general. That's who the wrestling fans were. The AEW fans were the ones that complained. What about TNA? They also complained too. About what? They also complained about WrestleMania being too long. That's why they would often 
go to other shows or not but, just or just but stop they were, watching wrestling. Yeah, they complained about that, but they also complained about how uh, certain wrestlers weren't being used. And so they're like, okay, we'll use everybody, and but it takes seven damn hours. So what you can't have it both ways. You either can have you can either have Brock Lesnar's working and that's it, or you can have everybody working. Well, here's the thing. Don't don't use the undercard for WrestleMania. Use the undercard for a different event. That's all I say. That's how you cut down on time. What event are they going to use it for? How about the NXT events? I mean, that's what NXT is for, right? You don't need NXT talent on WrestleMania. You don't need 205 Live talent on WrestleMania. Yeah, but 205 don't have a damn pay-per-view. Well, maybe they, they should get one. Yeah, maybe, I guess they, maybe they, should, they should get one, yeah. They need one. <laughs> that way they don't end up on WrestleMania, and then you cut WrestleMania back down to four hours, and that's it. Oh, man. <sighs> Bret Hart versus Diesel. Steel Cage. Crazy shit. Uh, uh, final, uh, final topic of today's episode. I watched a documentary. The new WWE documentary. Have you seen it? No. Well, uh, WWE have a new uh, WWE documentary about Yokozuna. My question is, why is he on the first episode of the documentary stuff? It's the first episode? Is it? Oh, it might be, yeah. But they've done, they've done them in the past. Now it's a series, though. They've done the documentaries in the past. They just now made it a series. But yeah, no. Oh, but you know, I learned I learned very interesting things. Uh, did you know Yokozuna? And you know, people were complaining. People were complaining that you know Vince McMahon changes scripts now at last minute. But I guess he's been doing it forever because Yokozuna was supposed to retain the title and stay champion after beating Bret Hart. He for was how long? For the foreseeable future, for about a year, they said. He was going to be champion for a year, but but I guess there was worry about they were about to go on an overseas trip, and there there was worry that Yokozuna wasn't over overseas as much as Hulk Hogan was, and that's why they put the belt on Hogan at last minute. And Hogan didn't he, Hogan said that he didn't really want you know he didn't want the belt, but you know they, he 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 wanted to do this farewell tour uh, overseas, and that's the only reason why he kind of like. Went along with it and said, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I'll take the belt for this overseas, you know, farewell tour because I know I'm about to leave and go to movies. But, uh, but yeah, Yokozuna was, you know, he was penciled in until that day to uh, be the champion for a year. So this is, <clears throat> so you're trying to explain that the reason why Yokozuna's uh, first title run only lasted 30 seconds was because of Hulk Hogan's farewell tour. Yep. Uh, <laughs> is that interesting? Well, it is interesting, but it still doesn't explain why Yokozuna didn't draw ratings in 1993. He didn't draw ratings? Uh, he was not he was, a ratings draw. He, people loved him. They, I was watching the documentary. They were like, yeah, we love Yokozuna. People were coming to see him. Jim Cornette loves him. He's a, well, that's the wrestlers, but what about the fans? They didn't sell out arenas. Well, I don't know what to say. That's what that made me in that, that that well that goes back to the fear that Yokozuna wasn't big enough for that overseas tour. Meanwhile, Bret Hart was selling out everywhere as champion. Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart won the uh he won the rumble or he or Yokozuna won the rumble to face uh Bret Hart. 
No, no, no. Bret Hart and Lex Luger. It was Bret Hart, Lex Luger. I can't Bret Hart and Lex Luger both won the Royal Rumble in 1994. Both went over the top rope, but WWE agreed that both of them should be at WrestleMania facing Yokozuna. So what did they do? They had Lex Luger face Yokozuna first, and then in the main event... Yokozuna versus Bret Hart. That okay, but that was the following year, right? So 1994. And in 1993 was the year Yokozuna won. Yeah, because he threw Macho Man over the top rope oh, that stupid elbow spot. See, but see, look, that would that would have been a way better story. Fucking Hulk Hogan, dude. Just think about that story of how cool that would have been. That Yokozuna wins the Rumble. He goes on to beat Bret Hart for the championship. Then, he holds the championship for a year. Bret Hart and Lex Luger, they do that whole tie for the thing, and then and then Bret Hart beats Yokozuna a year later for the title. That would have been awesome storytelling. Fuck. Well, well, what would have been awesome storytelling, too, if Vince McMahon wasn't so blind to reality? Macho Man but, versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 9. But, I mean, they, they, they kind of still were able to tell that story, uh... Um, I mean, he won it back at SummerSlam, huh? Didn't Yokozuna win the championship back at SummerSlam? King or? of the Ring. King of the Ring against Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So, see, he beat... Uh, it was kind of cheap, though, like, because his manager threw uh, dust in Hulk Hogan's eyes or whatever, and it was kind of like, oh. Well, the plan was that... Uh, like, the original plan before Hulk Hogan was penciled in for the Fair World Tour was that Hulk Hogan would carry the belt from WrestleMania all the way to SummerSlam... And do the honors for Bret Hart on his way out. Oh, really? But instead, he opted to do the honors for Yokozuna at King of the Ring 1993. And that was why Bret Hart was compensated by being the 1993 King of the Ring. <laughs> and it jump-started the classic feud with him and Jerry Lawler. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, man, wrestling gets crazy. Yeah, Yokozuna, man, he... uh I guess um, they ha- they f- they forced them to take some time off. They're like, you need to lose some weight. You need to lose some weight. You know, your health is uh, is is going to be deteriorating. Well, the the big problem with Yokozuna was he loved to drink. He loved to party. So obviously, he was the world's biggest pothead. Whatever. And that's why he ate so much because he was doing pot all the time. Well, apparently, they tried they 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 tried to put him into a program. They they like put him into a program and everything. To get his weight down and get healthy. And he was paying the guards. He was paying the guards to bring him buckets of chicken and shit. <laughs> like that's how that's how that's how addicted Yokozuna was to food. And that was because he was a pothead. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yokozuna. Uh Yokozuna, man, he's a big influence, is he not? He he. Oh, he was a big influence to the Samoan community. Yeah, I mean... Uh, While the Wild Samoans often seek were the pioneers of Samoan wrestling in America, Yokozuna was the first Samoan to win a World Heavyweight Championship. Did you know that, um, I think he, he was injured or something? Yokozuna got injured, and because of that injury is the reason why Rikishi got, his, got hired. Yokozuna got injured, so they hired Rikishi... To replace Yokozuna as the head shrinkers. Yokozuna was originally going to be a head shrinker, and they and like uh, Yokozuna got injured. They switched him to Rikishi, and that's when they brought Yokozuna back in as the um, as that uh, sumo wrestler. So <laughs> that's so crazy how like things can change like that. How just simple things. But um, 
But uh, yeah, the the Samoan family they were really proud of Yokozuna for being something other than a, a savage. You know that you know for some reason. Yeah, Yokozuna was the first uh, Samoan to win the World Heavyweight Championship, and then The Rock became the most popular Samoan to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And now we got Roman Reigns, a Samoan Heavyweight Champion. Who? Uh, top top five Samoan wrestlers of that dynasty. Well, we cannot count Samoa Joe in there because he's never been in a top spot in WWE before. Okay. Is he is he a part of the Samoan uh, family? He's not part of the Anawai family. He's a different Samoan altogether. Okay. But let's see. You have uh, Jimmy, well, Jey Uso. He's one of those popular uh, Samoans. Got Roman Reigns, obviously. Afa and Sika. Rikishi. And, of course, The Rock. <sighs> What a big family. Yeah, it's going to be a sad day when Alpha and Sika pass away. Well, uh, you know, is it, isn't what's her... Wait, is Nia Jax a Samoan? Well, Are... well, she, I think she is. She's not blood to the NOI family. Oh, she's not? I don't think she's blood to the NOI family, but... What, yeah, uh, what is Nia Jax is... Naya. You know who else Jax. is apparently Samoan that I didn't even realize until I researched it? Is Nia Jax related to The Rock? She is a relative of Dwayne The Rock. Her father was a first cousin of Peter Mavia. Oh, so it technically is blood. Okay. There's another wrestler who's apparently Samoan that we didn't even know of until I uh, did some research. Who? Ever heard of Dakota Kai? Who's it? Dakota Kai. Where is he? She is, uh, I think she's from Tasmania, but she's half Samoan. Uh, oh, I'm is not, she really? I believe she's half Samoan. Look, Tamina, I thought Tamina might have been Samoan. She's uh, from She's from Fiji because Jimmy Snuka was from Fiji. Okay, she is. Oh, look. Jimmy Snuka is Dwayne Johnson's uncle, therefore making Tamina... Snuka, Dwayne's cousin. So she's the cousin of The Rock. It's a very interesting story. I didn't I didn't know that Jimmy Snuka was The Rock's uncle. I didn't know Jimmy Snuka had any real uh, connections with the NOI family. Because Sean, Sean Malutu, a nephew of Afa Anoai, was a participant in WWE's first Kuwait Classic tournament. Interesting. Yeah, so there are a lot of Samoan wrestlers out there. And not all of them are related to the Anawai family. Samoa Joe being one of them. That's actually a different Samoan altogether. Oh my god. Look at the damn Anawai family tree. Uh, I don't know any. Jacob Fatu. Ooh, I wish Fatu would go to fucking WWE. He's a badass. Uh, Fatu. And then... um. <clears throat> oh look, Naomi. Yeah, Naomi is married to Jimmy. Oh, okay, Uso. N- married to J- Jimmy Uso, Jay Uso. Um, where is where's Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns has to be the son of Sika. In a way, Sika. Yeah. Where's that at? What's Roman Reigns' real name? His name is 
Leate Joseph. There it is. Yeah, Leate Joseph Anaway. So yeah, he he goes for he, he's right here. So Rosie, his brother is Rosie. Yep, the late Matthew Anaway. Dude, I didn't know that. I did not know that Roman Reigns' brother was Rosie from Hurricane and Rosie. And the the irony is that uh, Rosie was 15 years older than Roman Reigns. That's crazy. Too bad Rosie died. What did he die of? Heart attack, I think. Just like uh, Umaga. Look, Roman Reigns is closer relative to Yokozuna than... Um, yeah, they're the rock is. Yeah, look. I mean what yeah, what a foe. Okay, yeah, they're cousins. So he's like directly a direct cousin. So then we got this side of the family though. And he's kind of a cousin. What does this mean? Oh, cuz was a Samoan professional. She That's the is Rock's grandma. This is the grandma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Peter Maivia is the grandpa. So, so there's two. This this is where it gets weird. This guy must have had. Oh, he had three wives. Is that what's going on here? He had three. He he had three wives. And so, because look, because this guy, I guess, was with this chick, and they make this. Much of the family. A whole bunch. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine kids with one wife. Then, uh, geez, what is this, though? Our, yeah, this is a second wife. Second wife. But that second wife had kids with this guy, I guess. No, this girl or this this is a guy. Yeah, Peter Maivia, The Rock's grandpa. All right. So, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out. Okay. So, these two had all these kids. These I don't know who the fuck this is. She's related to this guy? I think they are Oh, it's so weird. Ophila Futonga. Ophila Fatanga is somehow related to Tovo. Uh, Ophila Fatanga and Mavia, right here, Anderson, Fane Mavia, they had kids like Rock, Rocky Johnson. Well, and, Rocky Johnson was the son-in-law of Peter yeah. Mavia. And then son-in-law? Yeah, because he married uh, Peter's uh, daughter, Atta. <sighs> so Atta married Rocky Johnson. That's how The Rock came to be. The Rock. The Rock. Anyways, he's far from the damn family. I mean, look at this. Here's the family. Here's all these family people. And then here's The Rock. The Rock is barely related to these people. (laughs) He's barely related to anybody. Like, they just say that. They just claim The Rock because he's the most famous fucking person in the world. But he's barely related to that family. he's the most successful Samoan actor. Yeah, he's the most successful and he's the most... You know, he's most away from the others. Oh, God. Uh, the Wild Samoans, the Head Shrinkers, Three Minute Warning. Uh, Samoan Gangsters, the Sons of Samoa, the Usos. Uh, 
Oh, man, dude. Families of wrestling is so crazy. Wrestling gets crazy. Families and shit. Samoans. Japanese people spraying people with mist. Facial mist. I may have to go through this episode and edit a little bit of it. Oh, man. I was drinking Shiner Strawberry Blonde. We talked about the... The documentary is pretty good, though. That's the, the um, Yokozuna documentary was pretty good. I, I learned some things. Uh, if you have the WWE Network, go ahead and watch, you know, go find it and watch it. If you don't have the WWE Network, well, guess what? It's going to be on Peacock soon for half the price. So, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm personally subscribed to the Peacock uh, streaming service. Oh, you are? So you're already going to... You're, you're yeah, get... I'm paying $5 a month for premium service. So you're going to get the WWE Network. Yep, there's no reason why I needed the WWE Network now that I already got Peacock. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so that's fun. The Yokozuna thing, uh, great mood of stuff. Uh, we we gave a, a sneak preview of the following a uh, couple episodes. Our next week's episode, not Thursdays, but next week's episode, we're gonna dive into the main event matches prior to WrestleMania. Main event matches. Pride of WrestleMania. Whew. Man, wrestling history, man. We're just talking wrestling, chatting stuff. I love wrestling. Wrestling's fun. So do I. We are on the road to Potomania. And I'm having fun. Are you having fun? If not, well, <clears throat> that's just your opinion. And that's fine. Because all we have here are opinions and beer. We are opinions and beer.